Hello and welcome to the Of Interest podcast. I'm Gareth Vaughan from interest.co.nz. On Wednesday, November the 23rd, the Reserve Bank will review the official cash rate for the last time this year. The OCR is now at 3.50%, with the Reserve Bank having already increased it by 275 basis points so far in 2022. Another OCR increase is expected on November 23rd. That's against the backdrop of the highest consumer price index inflation in more than 30 years, most recently weighing in at 7.2%. Despite borrowers facing sharply higher interest rates, with, for example, the average bank two-year mortgage rate now around 6%, up from about 2.5% in July 2021, and price rises for essential items such as food, which rose 10.1% in the October year, the labour market remains buoyant with unemployment at just 3.3% and an annual 8.6% rise in private sector hourly wages. To discuss all this in a monetary policy episode, I'm joined by Kiwi Bank Chief Economist Jared Kerr. Hi Jared, and welcome to the Of Interest podcast. It's great to have you with us. Kia ora, and uh, thank you for inviting me to speak. So firstly, let's look ahead to November the 23rd, so that's the OCR review. What do you expect the Reserve Bank to do and say? I think they will hike by 75 basis points, taking the cash rate to four and a quarter. It is an aggressive move, um, but the war on inflation is is far from over. Uh, We have seen inflation rates globally uh, peaking, and it looks like inflation will decline from here. But the the pace, the, the the deceleration back towards price stability is going to take some time. And, and I think central banks uh, feel they have a lot more to do to, to ensure that inflation returns to 2%. Um, on top of all of that, uh, we have you know a lot of uh, volatility in, in financial markets. Uh, we have house prices declining and households are still um, fighting a, uh, a significant increase in the cost of living. Absolutely. So how does your expectation tie in with uh, the overall financial market consensus of expectations for November 23rd? Yeah, look, the market had a full 75 basis point hike priced in, and it seemed to be a, a bit of a done deal. Uh, most economists and, and market commentators are of the view that the Reserve Bank will deliver 75 basis points. They they discussed uh, a 75 basis point move in October, and, and um, I think it's become more compelling uh, since then, so we are likely to see it. But just over the last week, um, we've seen a, a, a weaker inflation print uh, in the United States, which has the market, I think, excited that um, the Fed may slow their pace of tightening, uh, and that's fed through to markets here. So uh, a 75 basis point hike next week is is actually not fully priced anymore. It's come back uh, a little bit, and um, it it, it will be interesting uh, on the day. We will get a reaction uh, either way. Absolutely, and look, I mean, we I mentioned in the in the beginning, you know, that the OCR has gone up 275 basis points so far this year. You're talking another 75. That you know, that's a very significant increase in just the one year. Um, just wondering if we could just have a, a little chat about what is the, the this higher OCR supposed to be achieving, and what evidence is there thus far 
that it is is doing what it's meant to be doing, or is it too soon to to make a judgment on this? No, it's not too soon. I I, I think we are seeing um, the the impact coming through now, uh, and I think it's it's going to um, you know play out over the next six months. We're, we're going to see a, I think a substantial decline uh, in household consumption. So what what is the the point of of these OCR hikes? Well, you know, last year I think it was was very clear that we had a, an economy that was running hot, uh, particularly with the housing market. Uh, house prices were up, you know, over 30% in just one year, in, in the year to August. Uh, and the economy was, was doing remarkably well with a very tight labour market. Uh, wages were expected to increase. They have increased. Uh, and we've seen, you know, a, a significant uplift in inflation pressure. So to put it simply, uh, the Reserve Bank is trying to restrain uh, demand. It's, it's actually trying to reduce demand down to where the economy can supply it. Uh, we have had issues with supply, the supply side of, of the economy, uh, and that's a global issue as well. And um, we've seen a lot of in inflation being produced uh, globally because of the, the surge in demand we saw uh, during the, the COVID pandemic, as you know, central banks uh, not only reduced interest rates, they printed a lot of cash to further reduce uh, interest rates by buying government bonds. And you had governments coming out uh, with very loose uh, fiscal policy, trying to pump up their, their economies. And, and they, they did a, a good job. Um, you know, New Zealand did a good job with the wage subsidy. Um, that, that clearly helped but we've seen trillions of dollars effectively worth of monetary policy and fiscal policy uh, globally uh, to try and uh, offset the, the impacts of, of the COVID pandemic. Uh, and we've now seen a, a significant demand shock and that has caused a, a, a real uplift in, uh, in inflation to rates we haven't seen since the 1980s. So uh, central banks are fighting inflation. It's, it's a fight they haven't really had to uh, get involved with uh, in, in recent decades, uh, not to the extent that they are now. Um, and we've seen 90 central banks globally lift interest rates um, in, in the last year to fight inflation. So it really is a global theme. Uh, and the Reserve Bank in New Zealand was one of the first to start lifting interest rates in October last year. Um, but as you know, uh, better than, than, than anyone else, uh, interest rates, they work with a lag. Uh, so they started lifting interest rates in October last year. Um, that wasn't uh, felt uh, immediately by households. Uh, most Kiwi households with, with debt, with mortgages, uh, are fixed, are on fixed rates. And they fix for one, two, three, sometimes five, five years. But most people tend to like that one to, to two year uh, rate. And that is, you know, one of the most attractive rates that are offered by banks. So people follow price, and it's simply cheaper to, to do one in two years. Now, uh, the majority of, of mortgages uh, are coming up to be uh, refixed, and that that's happening now. Um, so that the the majority of mortgages are coming off very low, uh, extraordinary low interest rates, uh, record lows of last year. Uh, and they're coming on to, you know, much higher interest rates. And, um, you know, in the back of the Reserve Bank's mind that by design, this is exactly what they're wanting to see, that they're wanting to see households 
consumption um, ease and you know that they wanted to see the housing market turn around uh, and that's exactly what they've uh, engineered. I, th- I thought it'd be good just to drill a little bit more into what's going on with in- inflation. So the latest uh, consumers price index um, inflation release from Statistics New Zealand as mentioned previously, had a 7.2% annual increase. So if we break this down a little bit, so the, the, the tradable items, so the, the ones impacted by international price movements and exchange rates, were up 8.1%, and the non-tradables, so supposedly the, the goods and services not exposed to the international factors directly, were up 6.6% year-on-year. And we just saw the recent, more recently than that, the Reserve Bank's own inflation expectations survey, um, and that that had expectations for inflation in two years' time rising to three point six two percent from three point oh seven percent. I just wonder, you know, what's your sense of where the Reserve Bank's inflation battle is at? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and, and just to put some of those numbers. Uh, in context, the, the headline inflation rate uh, of 7.2, as you say, uh, is is a bit of a disappointment. Um, inflation looks like it's peaked at 7.3%, but the market, ourselves included, were expecting that headline rate to fall further uh, into, into the sixes. It didn't happen. Uh, we saw upside surprises to tradables inflation, so the imported inflation. Uh, was much higher than we anticipated. And the domestically generated inflation, that non-tradables inflation that you mentioned, was also stronger uh, than we thought. So inflation across the board, uh, although it is imp- looks like it's improving uh, slightly, it is, is uh, you know, much more frustrating than what the uh, RBNZ would like to see. And the path from 7.2% back down to the RBNZ's target of 2% uh, just seems that much that much further away. So this is exactly what the Reserve Bank is, is uh, confronting and, uh, and trying to deal with. And then you have the behavioral side of it, the expectations of where inflation is going to be uh, in, in the future. And, and that they have all been revised higher. Those expectations from uh, businesses and analysts like myself have all been revised higher. And expectations simply follow uh, actual inflation outcomes. So when inflation outcomes surprise on the upside, as they did in the last reading, then people's expectations of where inflation is going to be uh, over coming years is also lifted naturally. Uh, And that's a frustration for the central bank. So not only are they failing on their mandate at the moment, um, you know, inflation's miles away from their uh, targeted 1% to 3% band where they focus on 2%. The, uh, you know, the expectations of, of households and businesses uh, have, have lifted. That actually points to the credibility of the central bank itself. You know, when you have analysts and businesses and, and households all expecting inflation to be much higher for much longer, effectively you know, suggests that the Reserve Bank isn't doing its job and, and will struggle to get inflation where it needs to be uh, in, in coming years. So the Reserve Bank will not like that. Uh, the Reserve Bank will react to it. And this is why we're, we're expecting a 75 basis point hike next week, which, which is aggressive. Um, but look, their, their credibility is in question. And that just to note that 7.3% uh, peak you mentioned was, of course, the uh, consumer's price index for the, the June quarter, um, the, the pr- 
prior to the September quarter. So perhaps that's the peak. We're, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, now, um, yesterday I had a look at your um, Kiwi Bank Economist's um, weekly first view note that you put out every Monday. And you, in that, you looked at the drop in in the consumer price index or CPI inflation report in the in the United States last week, which you, you mentioned earlier. And you highlighted the lower core inflation in that, which uh, with core inflation excluding the volatile food and energy prices. I'm just wondering um, how closely is core inflation tracked by the Reserve Bank in New Zealand, and how is it looking here? Oh, look, they are inflation fighters. Uh, and they look at all measures uh, of inflation, uh, and and core inflation is uh, is an important read. It gives you a better sense as to how inflation is tracking um, when you exclude the the volatility of of some of these price moves, like we've seen in food and 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 energy or or, or petrol. And you're trying to get a handle as to where inflation is likely to track. Uh, the core measures are, are preferred by central banks, uh, even though their, their mandate is, is to target headline. They, they obviously look at core in, in, in great detail. So uh, the core readings in New Zealand are, are frustrating, to, to put it politely, whereas the core reading that we saw in the US uh, last week was, was actually a, a pleasant surprise. Um, and I think we'll see uh, inflation rates over the next six months continuing to decelerate but uh, it's the speed at which will, will, I think, frustrate central banks a little bit further. Of course, the Reserve Bank's monetary policy remit also means it has to target something that's known as maximum sustainable employment, which relates to the labour market. Um, can, you know, for the removal of any doubt here, we're not talking about a specific level of employment or unemployment. Can you just give us a, a little brief explanation of what do they mean by maximum sustainable employment? And, um, you know, what their view is on where that currently sits? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, right now, we're, we're at a level which is clearly above uh, sustainable employment. And, and that's uh, demonstrated through the rise in, in wages. So the labour market is so tight that we're seeing a lot of wage inflation uh, being generated, so the Reserve Bank knows that, that um, you know the, the the level of employment or or the level of unemployment is such that um, that we're generating a, a lot of wage pressure. Um, so for their for them, um, you know, a, a higher unemployment rate or, or lower levels of of employment um, are desirable. Um, it's simply the the Phillips curve. That, that we look at. So famous Kiwi economist Bill Phillips, uh, you know, first put together this this curve, which is the relationship between unemployment or, or tightness in your labour market and, you know, general inflation or, or particularly wage inflation, that that relationship. Um, and that, that is what they're trying to target. So they have an inflation target on one hand and an and a, uh, employment or unemployment target on the other hand, it's, it is the uh, the Phillips curve, which all economists uh, learn very early uh, in their studies, and and most of us have it tattooed on our shoulder somewhere. <laughs> have you got one? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I tell people I do, but I don't. <laughs> okay, so I guess in terms of this maximum sustainable employment, then does the Reserve Bank effectively need? unemployment to rise, they need more people to, to lose their jobs and 
wage rises to slow down quite a bit so that they can meet their inflation target. Yeah, exactly right. So the labour market is is too tight. Um, we're generating too much uh, wage inflation. So uh, from the central bank's perspective, they're trying to uh, free up uh, some capacity in, in, in the economy. So it sounds a little brutal to say, look, we need a rise in, in, un- in unemployment. But, you know, I think what they're trying to orchestrate here is clearly a slowdown uh, in the economy uh, so that we, we produce less in the way uh, of inflation. And there are, you know, unfortunate trade-offs in this. Uh, I don't think there's any way of, of hiding around the fact that lifting interest rates the way they have uh, it, it is not going to have a, a significant and damaging impact in, in parts. So there are going to be households that, um, that really struggle or that they already are struggling at the moment. Uh, and there are going to be businesses that, um, that struggle under, under higher interest rates as well. Uh, and that is by RBNZ design, they are, they are trying to slow the economy down uh, to get inflation back to where it needs to be. Because if they don't, then the consequences of having very high inflation for a very long time uh, are far worse. It means you have to tackle this greater problem down the track and potentially cause, you know, uh, a, a larger contractions and and, um, and issues in the economy. So it's sort of a case of take some pain now to avoid more pain later. Is that really what they're, they're trying to achieve here? Yeah, well, um, you've, you've got to get inflation down. Uh, you can't let it run the way it is um, for, for too long. It, it erodes people's purchasing power. Um, it obviously hurts savers and you know, has a, a, you know, negative consequences for the economy over the, over the longer term. So it's better to, as you say, take the medicine now, get it over and done with uh, as, soon as, as soon as possible, get things back. Uh, to closer levels of, of normal sooner rather than later, um, because let, let's face it, uh, policy was was um, very very effective during the pandemic, uh, and arguably uh, with the benefit of hindsight, you know monetary and fiscal policy did too much in the end, and we're now having to. Um, we're now having to tackle the problems that have been generated from that uh, excessive liquidity. Just in terms of the the labour market, I mean, obviously the issues we're facing in New Zealand, we're seeing in in in, in, in other countries as well. Notably, we've already mentioned the United States. Australia's got a very tight labour market now too, and and and, and others as well. Um, you know, we have been through this. Um, pretty unique scenario with the COVID-19 pandemic in the last couple of years. Um, and I heard quite an interesting interview with economist Isabella Weber um, a few days ago, and she was arguing that we're effectively recalibrating the economy back from a, a wartime economic setting. Um, and if you look at you know everything that's that's been at play with the disrupted global supply chains, you know, the lockdowns, closed borders, the wage subsidy scheme you mentioned, people working from home, um, it's been a very tumultuous period. Um, I, I saw a, a separate article from the, the Financial Times with uh, it was an opinion piece, and the author was arguing that we've 
the 40-year era of cheap money, cheap labour and cheap energy has come to an end. So, I mean, I guess against this sort of backdrop, there are some quite big questions I've, I've been pondering. You know, I mean, have the drivers of inflation changed? Has the labour market changed in ways we don't fully understand yet? Um, or is it just taking taking its time to come back to something we understand better um, from, from the pre-COVID era? And I mean, is the, the Reserve Bank's monetary policy still still fit for the, the purpose it's designed for? I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on all of this. Yeah, yeah. look, I'm an economist. I, uh, <laughs> I've got lots of thoughts on, on all of the above, and it is fascinating uh, times from, from an economist's point of view. Um, we've been through an incredible shock, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, and, and as you say, it, it exposed a lot of things, uh, you know, the, the impact on global supply chains, um, the, the argument that it's accelerating uh, deglobalization, um, you know, the, the point that, I've, that you raised before, I can't remember who said, said it, but um, the fact that we've gone from a wartime setting is, is very true. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I, I remember having, you know, conversations uh, around exactly that. We, we were trying to find points in our history that looked close to what we were going through. And you really have to go back to, to wars, you know, times when you actually close your borders and, and you know, extreme events like that. You, you're basically going back to World War II and then you're looking at the, the Spanish um, uh, pandemic and World War One, and you're looking at some really really uh, challenging times and, and it was a very challenging time that, that we went through and I think there have been a number of changes uh, to our economy since since that and you mentioned a big one which is the ability uh, to work from home um, and I also link that with the increase in uh, the digital economy so we were already on a path to more digital uh, you know um, pathways and but what happened over uh, COVID was we basically accelerated the use of technology uh, rapidly like within months so as a bank you know we we couldn't get enough FBOS terminals out the door fast enough for, for companies that would have otherwise used cash we couldn't get enough uh, credit cards and that for people who who, who didn't have uh, a means of, of click and collecting. So there was a, a, a huge take up in technology. So that accelerated uh, that trend that was already in place. And, and, uh, and along with that, you know, none of us knew what a Zoom or a Teams meeting was uh, a few years ago. Now we use it daily. Uh, and many of us have the ability to work from home. We have a much more flexible workforce, which is much healthier and, and more efficient. Um, we're seeing levels of traffic uh, that are still lower than pre-COVID uh, levels, which is fantastic. I, I think that is a result of, of um, better allocation of people's time um, and, and effort. So more people working from home, left traffic on the roads. Um, the other point that you mentioned there about 40 years of, of easy money, you know, being wrong or coming to an end, um, let, let's not forget the massive demographic impact of uh, the, the baby boomers and, um, you know, what, what that did, but also the, the, the rise of China and, and other economies in um, reducing uh, inflation globally. So that that's been the theme for for a long time 
and yes, I, I think that is turning around now. I think the demographic impact on interest rates um, is now swinging the other way. Uh, and you know China's impact is obviously not as much as what it was. I think we will see, uh, you know, from now on, uh, higher rates of inflation than what we've been battling in, in recent decades. Um, so that um, you know, central banks gone from fighting inflation fiercely in the in the 70s and 80s to worried about threats of deflation. Uh, now now they're facing uh, in inflation again. So I think, to your other point, uh, are central banks capable? Uh, you know, are their tools right? Um, the, I think central banks are definitely capable and, and we'll see the impacts of, of what central banks have done coming through in the next six months, uh, much lower global growth and hopefully a turn in inflation. Um, they're tool of, of, of a interest rate um, is very blunt, but it works. Uh, they've also sharpened some of the other tools that in their toolkit around macro prudential policies and, and other things. So I think we'll see more of the other tools that central banks have. But one thing that the pandemic has taught us, and I think has been missing for a long time, particularly after the 2008 financial crisis, is the fact that government uh, policy, government response can be much more targeted and much more effective in time of crisis than simply slashing an interest rate. Slashing an interest rate from the central bank works, um, but you can get much more targeted uh, policy through the, through the government. And if you think if you think about the 2008 crisis, it was pretty much all monetary policy response to it, a little bit of fiscal, but not a lot. And then we saw uh, fiscal austerity, uh, which was precisely what wasn't needed um, following the 08, 08 crisis. And I think the main one of the main reasons why interest rates got so low, uh, you know, record lows of, of last year, was the fact that, that governments uh, hadn't actually um, done a lot of investment over the last 10 years. They haven't actually, you know, done a lot. They haven't made, hadn't made use of the lower uh, interest rates. So I think that was you know, a big reason why um, we, we had very low interest rates, very low inflation. Um, but now, uh, you know, fiscal policy has proven itself uh, and how important it is going forward. It's a good, uh, very good point, and um, leads nicely into my next question, which was, uh, which is, um, do we need to see more from government fiscal policy, indeed, to help in the inflation fight? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that the the government can can play a part. Um, there are things they can do, uh, as we've seen with excise taxes and uh, more payments to to, to families uh, to help with the, with the cost of living crisis um, but I think more medium term and long term I, I think in New Zealand in particular um, we need to to maintain a, a very sharp focus on infrastructure in this country um, I think the underinvestment in infrastructure in New Zealand uh, over recent decades is a big cause of, of many of the problems that we face uh, at the moment, particularly in, in the housing market, 
Um, so, you know, more needs to be done around freeing up land, firstly, uh, and getting the infrastructure to that land uh, to boost the supply of, of housing. Uh, I know a lot has been done, but obviously a lot more needs to be done. We still have a chronic shortage of affordable, healthy homes uh, in this country. And I think, you know, that that alone is, is you know, a, a big reason why um, we've struggled in our in our productivity um, and with with uh, you know lifting living standards in this country. Okay, I, I thought a good way to wrap this up, Jared, would be to sort of cast out our thoughts and eyes ahead. Um, so after next Wednesday, the the twenty third of November, the Reserve, Reserve Bank is not scheduled to review the OCR again until February the 22nd. So that's a big summer break. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, let's let's assume they do the 75 basis point increase next week as you're anticipating. What will they then want to see um, before the, the next review on February um, the 22nd? And you know, where do you see this OCR cycle peaking? And also, I mean, what do you anticipate the economy being like next year? Because you've mentioned the OCR as a blunt tool. What sort of fallout are we going to see from these hikes? Yeah. Um, so firstly, your your point on the fact that the central bank meets next week and then doesn't meet for another three months is a, is a, is a key point. So it's one of the reasons why we're expecting a little bit more front-loading uh, and why we think we'll, we'll see a 75 basis point hike because they don't come back uh, for, for quite some time, whereas other central banks keep chipping away uh, over coming months. So that, that I think, is a, a, a reason why they do a little bit more um, and then wait and see. And, and I think over that three months will be really interesting. Um, I think we will have seen a significant slowdown in, in household consumption. Um, interest rates are, are hitting people now. Uh, so we will see that coming through in the data, that, that economic pain uh, from the central bank tightening, we will get a better handle on uh, just you know just how, how um, impactful that those rate rises have been. And I think they've been substantial. Um, we'll have more housing market data, which is important. We we got um, the latest REINZ numbers um, just just this morning, and um, you know they, they they've seen a, a large decline in house prices. So that will continue. We think house prices will fall by around 15%. Uh, that of course feeds through to household confidence and and. Uh, and their perceptions of, of uh, you know, how the, how the environment is. Um, what will they be looking for? Well, all of the above, basically. They'll, they'll be looking for inflation, number one. Uh, you know, we'll get another uh, in, inflation print, and hopefully that is a step in the right direction. Um, and all the other indicators around price pressure uh, will be looked at closely. Uh, they'll be keeping an eye on the, on the labour market, obviously, it will remain tight and we will see further wage pressure. Um, so there's a few conflicting things that they'll be weighing up. Uh, but I think more importantly, we will have seen um, further signs of slowdown in global growth and, and hopefully inflation. So the international picture will become clearer uh, by the time they come back in, in February. 
Um, so I think they tighten again in, in February, and I, I think they lift the cash rate to 5% um, before they're done. But we will see a, a, a turn, uh, a further turn in their commentary around you know, what's happening globally and, and locally. And we'll, it will be called a, an RBNZ pivot, so to speak, when they you know, start to slow down, tightening and, and signal a peak uh, in interest rates, which I think will occur early next year. And, uh, and then I'm of the belief that by the end of next year, I think enough would have been done that we would have actually, we'll actually be in a situation where central banks, including the RBNZ, will start to ease monetary policy into 2024. So more hikes, more pain uh, near term, a cash rate of, of 5%, which uh, obviously sees uh, mortgage rates um, you know, staying around current levels, if not a little bit higher. And then hopefully by the end of next year, the, the war on inflation will be won and, uh, and, and we'll see central banks starting to, to uh, re- reduce interest rates. Well, look, Jared, thanks a lot for that. It's, um, it's a really interesting discussion always, uh, monetary policy and where the Reserve Bank is heading and what that means for the rest of us. That's Jared Kerr, Chief Economist at Kiwi Bank, and I'm Gareth Vaughan at interest.co.nz with another episode of our Of Interest podcast. <laughs>